invite you to turn in your copy of God's Word this morning to Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12. We'll continue in our study of Luke's Gospel and, and pick back up really in part two of what we talked about last Lord's Day. As you may recall, we're at a point in the Gospels where Jesus has quite a, a crowd that has gathered around him. And as they have gathered, uh, one of them has asked him a question. Uh, regarding an inheritance. And in response to that question involving inheritance, Jesus has given the parable of the rich fool. He has essentially spoken to the heart of this man who asked this question uh, about money and inheritance and division of property. And the issue in his heart was that he was coveting. He was struggling with covetousness. And so Jesus gives a parable that warns all of us concerning coveting and covetousness. And in it, he talks about a rich man who has so much already, but he wants more. He's not satisfied with what he has, and so he attempts to tear down his barns and build bigger barns. And, and throughout the whole story, he gives no acknowledgement to God, no thanks to God. And yet that parable Jesus shares ends with that man losing his life. And as we read last week, God says to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you and the things you have prepared. Whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. And so now, having given that teaching to the crowd, he will turn to his disciples and speak to them about the issue of anxiety. And I think you'll see how these things connect as we look at this passage today. And so we're going to look at Luke chapter 12, verses 22 through 34. And out of reverence for God's word, if you're able, I want to invite you to stand as I read this passage for us. This is what God's word says. And he, Jesus, said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock. For it is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourself with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will be your heart also. You would pray with me. Father, we do pray 
that you would help us to do the very thing Jesus calls us to do in this passage. Help us not to be anxious. And yet, as we pray that, so many of us indeed come in with anxieties and worries. And Father, it's not enough just to be told not to do something. We, we need to understand why. And we need to understand what we might do instead of being anxious. And so I pray you might help us to see those things as we look to your word today. And especially as we walk through this Advent season together where we are called to look back the first Advent, the coming of Christ, to look ahead to the second coming of Christ. So Father, help us to be concerned with these things and not the worries and anxieties that so easily can trouble us. Bless our time now, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, if the people of Jesus' day are needed to be taught that one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions, then certainly we need this same lesson today when so many of us are surrounded by an abundance of possessions. We talked last Lord's Day about how we live in a, a day and an age and in a place where we are blessed with so much, where we have such an abundance. And yet it is in that very blessing that we also find the cause for much worry and anxiety and stress. Because in this abundance of possessions, there is much to be worried about. And even when we look past possessions, when we consider relationships and health and troubles in our world, there are so many things for us to be anxious about, be worried about. And yet, we, we come into this, this Advent season where there's this tension, there's this tension that exists in these very things we're talking about, because in a time when we are to look to Jesus, so often we look to possessions, especially at Christmas time. Our conversations so often are about, you know, what do you want and what do you have and what are you getting? And we become consumed with talking about possessions. And with that, we become anxious about many things. And yet it's in this season of Advent that we are reminded all the more to cast our anxieties on Christ. One of my favorite Christmas specials this time of year that comes on that reminds us of these things is the Charlie Brown Christmas special. And if you've seen that recently, uh, you know that it's about uh, little Charlie Brown who is always anxious or worried or fretting about something. In fact, the way this special starts out is with him standing there talking to his friend Linus about all his anxieties and worries. And he's conflicted because he's talking about, you know, here we are at Christmas season, which should be this time of joy and celebration, and yet all I am is depressed. And he is depressed because he doesn't know what Christmas is truly to be all about. And so as that special goes on, he is increasingly anxious because he is surrounded by the commercialization of Christmas, the abundance of possessions, the focus on those things, and so everything culminates towards the end of that special when there's a Christmas pageant and rehearsal for it. And he asks the question, can anyone tell me what Christmas is all about? And if you've seen it, you know that that is the scene then when his friend Linus comes out center stage and he recites from Luke's gospel the Christmas story. Then, shortly after that, Charlie Brown is surrounded by his friends and they are 
singing praises to God. They are singing about the newborn king. And no longer is he an anxious, worried little boy. Now he has joy. It's a cartoon, but it's a, it's a cartoon that points us in the very direction that God's word points us this morning. And that was intentional by its designer, Charles Schultz. In fact, he had to fight quite a bit with TV executives to have that scene, that, that pitiful scene, included in that special because it was so focused on Christ and so focused on the Word of God. And it is in the Word of God that we find this cure, this answer to our anxieties and to our worries and to our fretting. It is in the very pages of Luke's Gospel that we are reminded by Jesus himself who says to us, do not be anxious. But it's not enough just to be told, don't be anxious. We need to consider why shouldn't we be anxious. And Christ is gracious to walk us through these things. And I've listed them there in your outline. Observation number one, the reason we don't need to be anxious is this. Number one, because anxiety is unwise. Anxiety is unwise. And remember, Jesus has just communicated here that the lack of wisdom in treasuring earthly things. He has dealt with a man who was treasuring earthly things, who has come to him as he has just been teaching about eternal things. He's been talking about our eternal soul. He's been talking about judgment. He's been talking about our need to truly trust in him. And it's in the midst of that eternal discussion that someone from the crowd asks a question about very temple things, very worldly things. He wants Jesus to divide or to, to handle this dispute between him and his brother about an inheritance. And Jesus, in responding to him, doesn't talk to him about judgment related to an inheritance. He talks to him about judgment related to his soul because he shares a story of judgment. And he shares a story of this man who had so much, who had such plenty, and yet in that plenty, he's blessed with even more. But rather than being rich toward God and rich toward others, he simply focused on himself. He tears down his barns. He builds bigger ones. And as we've already mentioned, it's on that very night that God requires his soul of him. And says to him, and then Jesus says, so is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. And so now Jesus is continuing to teach his disciples related to what does it then mean to treasure Christ. What does it mean to treasure God? What does it mean to be rich toward God? And the very first thing he's telling them is it is unwise for us to treasure the things of this world, to be anxious about the things of this world. And that's a lesson that he repeats often. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, Jesus says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. An illustration he'll come back to at the end of this passage in Luke. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. See, Jesus here points to the heart of the matter, and it's this, that anxiety about earthly things is unwise because earthly things are not going to last. And no matter how much we worry about them, no matter how much we fret about them, no matter how anxious we are about them, and Jesus' day, he says, well, what's going to happen is moths are going to destroy it or thieves are going to steal it or something's going to happen to it, but it's not going to last. So why worry about that which will not last? 
His anxiety is unwise for this reason. Why it says here, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. Why does Jesus point these things out? Because he knows our gravitational pull is to be anxious about these very things, to be anxious and worried about temporal things, and not just these, but in all things. Which is why we're told in Philippians chapter 4 by the Apostle Paul through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, not only not to be anxious about what we're going to eat or what we're going to put on our body, he says there not to be anxious about anything. And so consider, what, what are you anxious about this morning? What are the things that worry you today? Is it money? Is it your finances? Is it your, your work, your job, your business? Is it relationships, other people? Is it your health, the health of somebody you love? But what is it right now in this moment that you find yourself being anxious about and being worried about and fretting about? And then consider what Jesus is saying here about why you don't need and why I don't need to be anxious about these things. For life is more than food, the body more than clothing. But Jesus here, I believe, is calling our attention to the reality that he came to give us something more than food and something more than clothing, something more than all these things we are anxious about and worried about and fretting about. I believe he's shifting our focus here to a perspective that should be eternal rather than where our anxious focus often is on those things which are temporal. A familiar passage, but one we need to be all that more familiar with. John chapter 3, verse 16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. Christ came to give us that which will never fade, never rot, never wear out, never be stolen, never be destroyed. And this is where He calls us to focus our hearts. Especially when we find ourselves in situations where we are anxious and worried. Perhaps in suffering. We struggle with this often in suffering. In our suffering, that we're very anxious, we're very worried, which is why we read in 1 Peter chapter 1 that as we suffer, we are to consider that suffering in this sense. He says, You may suffer for a little while. Well, what does that mean? You may be born with a chronic condition that you have as a small child and you suffer with for your entire life. So, how is it that God would say of that for a little while? And He's not talking about the course of our lifetime on this earth, and that our suffering will be short and be minute. Hey, he's not saying that if you just have enough faith and you just trust Him enough, that that suffering will go away. He's saying that for a little while, in comparison with eternity, our suffering is but a glimpse. And that's a perspective we're called to have, but it's a perspective that won't be fully realized until we're in glory when we then in eternity might look back and might rejoice in that, that glimpse, that, that moment of suffering when compared with the grandness of eternity. But here in that moment, it is hard. And that is why we need this reminder. And it's why Jesus gives it to us often. 
You can read through the Beatitudes, and it's all about focusing on an eternal perspective. He talks about persecution. He talks about suffering. He talks about hardship. But he said there's a blessing in these things. Why? Because our life is more than this moment. We've been prepared for eternity. And the more we set our gaze on that which is eternal, Christ says, the less anxious we become about the things of this world. And it's for that reason that he can say, therefore, don't be anxious. Anxiety is unwise. Not just that. The second observation here, it's unnecessary. And he says, consider, verse 24, the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn. Now, barns, when did he talk about barns? He just talked about them in that parable. And he's just shown us how unwise it was for this rich man to worry and be anxious about his stuff. And now he's drawing this comparison to a bird, to a raven. He says, they have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. How much more value are you than the birds? He says, look to the raven, which is not a very appealing bird to the Jewish people. And he says, look at them, they, they don't worry. They're not anxious. God takes care of everything they need. And then he says, consider how, how much more valuable you are than the raven. How much more worth you have before the Creator than these birds. So if anxiety and worry and fretting is unnecessary for them, how much more unnecessary is it for you? Because God is in control. And I believe here he's calling our focus not just to this eternal plan of God, but to the sovereignty of God over this eternal plan. And that we can trust in Him. Romans chapter 8, we read, what should we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also with Him graciously give us all? I mean, it's quite ironic that during this time of year, during this Advent season, when we have before us so often displayed the Incarnation, when we are reminded through song, through Scripture, through our gatherings, so much that God is with us, the gift of Christ has been given to us. God loves us so much. In the midst of this reminder that we find ourselves fretting and worrying and anxious and depressed. I think part of it's because we put our focus on the wrong thing. And Jesus corrects that focus here. Verse 25, he says, And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to a span of life? Perhaps you have had an experience where you went for a, a doctor's appointment, an annual exam, or maybe you were having some physical problem that led you to that doctor's office. And maybe when you're sitting there talking to that doctor and he's looking over your uh, results and your, 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 uh, your data from your exam, maybe he says, you know, your, your blood pressure seems to be a little high. Your heart rate is elevated. I think you need to stress more. I think you need to spend more time worrying. And if you would just worry more, then, then you, would, you would add time to your life. That's not what happens. What happens? He says, you need to stop 
You need to figure out why you're stressed out. You need to deal with this anxiety and this worry. Whether you need this medicine or you need this lifestyle change, usually the physician is focused on what? How can we bring this anxiety and stress down? Because from the physician's perspective, he's saying this is going to cost you hours and days and perhaps years of your life. But I don't think that Christ here is just concerned with our annual exam and simply saying to us, listen, if you don't stop being anxious, you're going to lose hours of your life. Because notice again what he says here. Which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to your span of life? I think the direction he's going here is saying, no matter how much you worry, no matter how much you fret, no matter how much you plan, no matter what you do, you are not the sovereign of your life. God is. And what we read repeatedly in God's Word, Job chapter 14, God not only knows our days, God numbers our days, God has a plan for our days. And therefore we are called to cast our anxieties on Him because He has determined our life. And so in times of great blessing, when we're considering building bigger barns just to hold more stuff, in times of great anxiety and worry, and suffering when we don't know what tomorrow is going to hold and we can barely make it through today. He says in all those times, we are to trust in Him because He has both of those days in His hands. Nothing is a surprise to Him. Not our best day and not our worst day. But what He calls us to do is to trust in Him, to cast our anxieties on Him. Again, He gives another picture of this very thing. Verse 27, He says, Consider the lilies. So, so he's already pointed to a somewhat unattractive animal, the raven. And now he points to the, the beauty of the fields. He says, consider the lilies and how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive today in the field, alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. And do not seek what you're to eat and what you're to drink and do not be worried for all the nations of the world seek after these things. And your Father knows that you need them. Again, Jesus here says, just, just take a moment to look around. I mean, look at the glory and the splendor of creation. Look at the majesty of the things that God has created. These can't even be created by, by the wealthiest in the world. And nobody can do what God has done. Well, look at the fields and look how they're arrayed with these lilies and these wildflowers. That they're going to die. And then He's going to raise up new ones. And if God so cares about that, how much more does He care about us? And then he makes this, this comparison here. He says, listen, that the nations of the world worry about these things. That the unbelieving world worries about all of this stuff. And we should look very different, Christ says, than the unbelieving world. We, we should have less stress and less worry and less anxiety than the world around us. Why? Because we know the one who holds all things in his hand. The question for us this morning is do we trust in the one who holds all things in his hand. I don't think that trust is the absence of anxiety. I think trust is measured in what we do with our anxiety. 
It is easy to say, don't be anxious. It's another thing altogether not to be anxious. <laughs> and I'm not speaking to you today as one who is not anxious. Okay, if there was a PhD in anxiety, I would have three of them. <laughs> My walls would be arrayed with them. I, I worry and I stress and I fret. All the more in these days. And so perhaps none of you needed this passage this morning, but I certainly have. Because through it, God has reminded me and continues to remind me. It's not the absence of anxiety that marks growth in our faith. It is what we do with that anxiety when it comes. And it comes so often. And what I believe Christ is saying here is that in the midst of it, when we have it, when we struggle with it, what are we going to do with it? And I believe the answer is this, that third and final observation, the conclusion of this passage. It's, it's that we're to treasure Christ and His kingdom. Because remember that the context and the framing of what he's saying here, it, it begins with the end of this parable where he says of this man whose soul was required of him, look, he didn't treasure Christ. Hey, he wasn't rich toward God. He was rich toward himself. He was just worried about himself. And if that's us, the story doesn't end well. But, but he says of us, we have a better way. We have a, another option here, and it's a much greater option. And it's to put our treasure and our focus on Christ. That's why Jesus says here, verse 31, instead. So instead of dwelling on that anxiety and dwelling on that worry and dwelling on that stress, instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. And so when you are anxious, when I am anxious, we have an option. We have a decision. And am I going to dwell on that? And it just is going to grow and fester and fester and that worry only increases? Or in that moment of my anxiety and worry and stress, am I going to turn to the one who cares enough about flowers in the field and, and ravens in the sky to take care of them. And how much more does he care about you and I? Who cares so much for us that his son came and lived a perfect life, truly God and truly man, and died in your place and in mine. If he cares that much for us, perhaps we indeed can cast our anxiety. And perhaps in those moments we can trust Him. And as we trust in those moments, then we can treasure Christ. And in those moments as we do that, it doesn't mean that suddenly, oh wait, I'm not anxious anymore. <laughs> I'm not worried anymore. In fact, I'll never worry again. No, it's what we are to do with that anxiety and do with that worry. And that's why He, he just walks through it here. He says, don't be like the rich fool. Don't lay up treasure for yourself. Focus instead on the treasure of the kingdom. So don't put your focus on money bags, which you're going to wear out. Consider money bags that are going to grow old. What is that? Well, that's a treasure in heaven that he says does not fail, where the thief doesn't approach and moth doesn't destroy. For your treasure is there will your heart be also. And he's saying to us, I believe, that we are not to treasure the things of this world. Because those things are just going to make us think. And you know this. And I've heard it many times. The, the things we own, they own us. And yet we need to own them. The, the question for us is, well, what are we going to do 
when we own those things and then those things worry us? Are we going to become so consumed with anxiety and fretting about them? Or are we going to hold those things very loosely because we're holding on to eternity so tightly? Jesus offers us a better way. We, we will all have to deal with stuff and it will be a pain. But he says we're to treasure, to treasure more than our stuff. Because one day our stuff will be no more, but eternity will always be. And God has created us indeed for eternity. And so here he calls us to put our hope and our trust in Christ. And in those moments when we do, then, then that grip on things that so worries us and stresses us and brings us anxiety, it loosens. And the question for today is, is our grip loosening on the things of this world or is it growing firmer and tighter? I'll close where I began, that reminder from that Charlie Brown Christmas special that many of you have seen, and if you have not, I would encourage you to watch it, and particularly that scene at the end of it where Linus quotes from Luke's Gospel, because we all need that reminder from Luke's Gospel, and I made this observation before, but it's worth repeating. If you were to watch that special and watch that show, you'll notice that Linus, who always has that object of security in his hands, that blanket that in that moment when he reads from Luke chapter 2 in the angel's proclamation, fear not, watch what he does. He drops the blanket. And I believe there's a, there's a subtle reminder there from Charles Schultz for believers today. In the midst of our worry, our anxiety, our fretting, those things that we hold on to in the world that we feel like will bring us hope and security, that all of those things fail compared to the beauty and the truth of the Incarnation. And Emmanuel, God is with us. That Christ indeed has come. That the long-promised, serpent-crushing King that was promised in the garden on Adam and Eve's worst day, that He has come to redeem us. And that God has said to us, if we will confess Christ as Lord, if we will believe in our hearts, God raised Him from the dead, we will be saved. And friends, that is the answer to our insecurity, to our anxiety, to our worries, and to our stress today. It's to put our trust in Christ. It's to hope in Him today and to hope in Him all the more. And so we invite you to do that on this second Lord's Day of Advent. If I could, let me pray with us, and then we'll respond to God's Word together.